welcome to Emotional Support. I am so excited to have you here all the way from New York. And this is also super fun for me because we've never even seen each other face to face. This has all been a virtual relationship via voice activation of this new fantastic app called Clubhouse. I feel like at this point we should all be sponsored by them because the amount that we talk about it. But it's very exciting. And I'd actually heard about you for a long time. (laughs) So it was so spontaneous and random that I saw you and we started to connect because I had heard about your period movement and you being an author and doing these incredible things um, through other people in the mental health world and through NAMI, um, which you work with as well and I'm an ambassador for. Um, So can you please like just dive right into it because you are – um, probably the most accomplished woman, man, human I have ever heard of your age. And I can't even stand it. So I just want people right away to know what is this period movement? Talk about your book. Just what can we hear about it? Yeah. So um, first of all, I'm so excited to be here. And I've actually talked to you more than I've talked to my mom or anything. Like on Clubhouse, Stop I feel it. multiple so- times a day. <laughs> it's so much but um I would say you know I'm Nadia I'm 23 I'm in my last semester at Harvard and my background started in periods when I was 16 um I've been menstruating since I was 12 but uh started an organization girl 12 we're 12 12 um yeah that's like about the like average age now like 10 to 12 really It's, it's yeah it gets younger yeah it's ridiculous um but yeah, so I started in the uh, nonprofit side, um, trying to distribute period products to people in need, um, really mobilize young people around advocating for, um, you know, taking down the tampon tax around just breaking the stigma, um, led the organization for about six years before passing the reins um, last January. And by the time I left, we had distributed about like 20 million units of period products um, and had registered uh, close to a thousand campus chapters at universities and high schools around the US wow. and abroad. Um, And then for the last few years, I've just been, uh, you know, I was on uh, sort of like a nonstop book and speaking tour pre-COVID with my book Period Power um, and and was chief brand officer at Juve Consulting, um, which is a Gen Z marketing agency. And then last January, I actually stepped away from both of those, from both uh, the consulting company and from my nonprofit. And this was Um, pre-COVID. This was pre-COVID? Pre-COVID in January, yeah. yeah. Um, And stepping away from the nonprofit was actually like something I'd been thinking about for a long time, I think, both from a mental health perspective, but also I'd just been doing it for so long, right? And um, I think that the organization had grown to a certain size that I felt every day like, wow, not only is this imposter syndrome, but like, I genuinely know this organization needs someone with decades of experience to continue mm-hmm. scaling it. Right. right, right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think like early 2019, me and our period board started really thinking about like replacing me. And it was, it was, it was always something that I was hesitant about at first, but then was really excited for. Right. right. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, um, decided early 2020 to embark on starting a lifestyle period brand. So to kind of switch angles of what I was working on before to say, you know, I've been advocating for better period care. So let me just create better period care, you know? Um, And so I'm really, really excited for that. And we're uh, hoping to close our seed round in a couple of weeks and launching this spring. And what is, what can someone expect 
from this new company that you're working on? What is what's different than than what you were doing before? What what makes it unique? Well, one is a nonprofit and yeah. distributes period products that are made by existing period brands. And okay, so this is your own brand. Yeah, this is my own <gasps> brand. Um, Fabulous. And we really built it out with our community throughout like early 2020 to help like identify how we could even iterate on the products that exist to make them better to really highlighting like sustainability and impact. Right. And, you know, I'm very proud of what we created on the nonprofit side, but I think that's something I had really, really struggled with over the last couple of years was like feeling stuck in what I now recognize as like the nonprofit industrial complex, mm-hmm. which is really where like nonprofits have to still work under the confines of like, capitalism, right? Right, Getting uh, donations, relying on donations of product of money from corporations or from uh, private donors, right? And so I think that what I'm really excited about for this is I truly believe in the power of um, socially conscious business. And I do think that there is a way and I know there is a way because we're doing it um, to create a business that is one, fulfilling the needs of people with better product in a more accessible and a better experience, while also using that to really channel and continue driving, um, you know, awareness to talk about periods boldly, and then also to have a really, really ambitious impact plan, right? To say, mm-hmm. as a business, as we grow, how are we living in our intention of wanting to end period poverty and serve menstruators in the best way that we can? And when you started this whole movement of period power and all this excitement, what was the um, what was the, the 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 reason why this started? Was it through social media at first? Was it something that you had been talking about with friends? Was there an incident that happened where you were like, "Enough is enough. Fuck this. I'm I'm speaking my mind." So um, I would say, well, first of all, like I did not start the movement and I want to be better about clarifying (laughs) that too is um, like this movement is like, I'm not the first person who realized like, oh, wait, I get a period and you get a period, right? Like I think that this, yeah, this has been going on for so long. And I think that part of my inspiration was seeing kind of like, who are the other advocates and authors in this space? And like, wow, people are talking about this, but they're just not talking to like my peers about it. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah. The generational sort of divide. And, um, and so for me, I actually never, it is awkward when, you know, when even someone my age, right at 33, like, you know, you're, you're talking to like, let's say high school students, right. Not even your generation, like even younger, it's kind of like, Oh, they look at you like, Oh, you're the old lady. That's like had your period. And like, "Eh, that's cute, but you're not really like, you're not in the moment living a day to day where it's still new and it's still shocking. And it's still like, what is this that's happening to me? What are these feelings? Well, I don't, it's, it's like that, but also the fact that like, even if they're a few years older than me, like, you know, okay, I was 16 on Facebook, Instagram was like just starting to become really a thing. Right. And so it was more so that like, I was just not seeing their work unless I went out and like, really was searching for it. Right. right? right, Um, but I would say like, it's something I never thought about. And then I started talking to homeless women to and from school and heard their stories of using toilet paper and socks and brown paper, grocery bags and cardboard to take care of their periods and just got absolutely obsessed with it. And like angry that that was a thing. Um, the wake up call of realizing the privilege I had, where even if my family was experiencing housing or financial instability, I had never had to do that for my period. Right. Right. Um, so I think it was really all of that together. And then also recognizing like, um, 
yeah, I think it was really all of that together. And then recognizing that uh, at the time in 2014, 40 states in the U.S. had this sales tax on period products, considering them non-essential goods, right? So um, what people refer to as like the tampon tax or the luxury tax. But this kind of idea that from a societal legislative perspective, um, menstrual hygiene is not considered a right. It's considered like a privilege, a luxury. And I think for me, it was just kind of it was just like this anger, honestly. And I think, I mean, at the same time, it kind of came perfectly in my life where I was like 16, I think really in a dark place of like, my voice doesn't matter. I like, what, what, what is my worth? Who am I? Um, uh, you, you know, I know we've talked about this, but like, I just got diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And I actually like really look back at my past even, um, you know, because I think that when in, in talking to therapists and stuff, like part of borderline personality disorder is one, I think always wanting to do more and then also um, being really impulsive. Right. And so I think mm-hmm. that I do see these parts in my life where I'm like, yes, I have this genuine passion for the cause. And also like when I thought that I could start a nonprofit, like impulsively, I was like, why not? Right. Same thing with right, writing right. a book. Same thing with right. running for office. I think that right. that's where I think I've I've started to really, you know, get rid of the shame around borderline personality disorder. Instead, say, I think this is actually something that's really helped me along the way. Right? right? Like this is something that um, you know is hard, of course, from a self esteem perspective. But it's but pushing is- you to be where you are, and it's giving you the ambition. I, I totally, I am being someone with, you know living with bipolar. We've talked about this as well. Of, you know you have these ideas and you're like, I want to do them. I want to do them. And you get it done because you need to do it in that immediate thought. So you don't almost forget yeah. about it. Kind of. It's so interesting to me because I don't think we've had anyone on um, the show yet that lives with borderline personality disorder. So this is such a fantastic conversation on top of, you know, talking about periods and all this amazing stuff. I, I think that it's so interesting. How old were you when you were diagnosed? You said 16. No, I was diagnosed last summer. So last summer I was in, uh, yeah, last summer I spent six weeks in a residential rehab um, place working on PT. I kind of fell into deep depression after, I mean, quarantine, being on like, you know, planes every day for three years. And also I think just um, also really struggling with like, uh, recognizing how I had led over the past and like mistakes I had made and um, not being able to run away from my feelings in quarantine. Right. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I spent six weeks in a residential rehab place. And while I was there, it was like lots of testing, like again, 12 hours of therapy a day and like learning through all of it. And um, so, yeah, I, I, and I'll say like one of the things about, um, and why I think it's so powerful, like even when you stand on these stages and you're like, yeah, I have, you know, all of that is, I think that, you know, one of the most common responses I get when someone learns about my diagnosis is they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like that is so awful. I'm so sorry. Are you all the time? All the time. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Like, it must be really tough. Therapist too. Yes. Like, yeah. When my therapist right there with you. When my therapist told me that I had borderline, they were like, Are you okay about this? Like, do you want to schedule some time to talk about it? And I was like, actually reading through the DSM, like symptoms, and of course, like I would obsess over those because then it was like complex PTSD, ADHD, like all these things. And right. I just started looking at it and I was like, but 
it lifted this shame off of me at the same time because you grow up always being like, I hate myself. I hate myself. Why do I feel empty? I can't feel my body. Like, you know, why do I, why do I lash out at people that I love? Like, why is it that I can't stop working? Why is it that when I stop working, I have a panic attack, right? There are all these things where you're like, I am like something with me is fucked up. Like I, right. there's something wrong you with feel me. feel it everywhere. Right, right. Exactly. And then I felt like once I had a diagnosis, uh, it almost gave me like an understanding that, okay, borderline, you know, comes, you know, there's direct causes for it that you can really understand, right? Whether it be like, um, you know, genetic, which isn't really borderline, really, but then also at the same time, um, it's a bit of like trauma you grew up with, right? And so I think that I started to look at a lot more of those behaviors, like these things I hated about myself to be more of like, reminding myself that that's not me being screwed up or anything when it isn't Mm -hmm. but like it's because like I have this thing that my body has had to develop in response to having to survive through all this trauma right right Right. um that's so funny I've never heard it that way that your body it has to do this build-up because it's so I I've never heard that before and I'm just sitting here being like yeah, that's that. Well, that makes sense. Like that is what I had to go through of, of yeah. it is a survival kit. Like, and it's like, totally. live or die. You gotta just push through it. Well, and I think that I was just going to say, it also gives you a roadmap for treatment, right? Like I think some of the hardest parts of about um, therapy is like you go and you're like, okay, you keep asking me questions. Like, what are we doing here? What are we solving? Right. Like, what are we working on? And then to have this language where it's like, oh, like, Okay, like what, like I used to, I would write down all these things about the symptoms while I was in rehab and then come like with homework. I was so type A about therapy. (laughs) And I'd go there and I'd be like, okay, I wanna know like this. Like, what can I do? Like, dialectical behavioral therapy. Like, how do I talk myself through this? Like, all of those things. And then it was so funny. When I was in a room one time um, speaking in Clubhouse, I explained that when someone, you know, instead of the I'm sorry and instead of all that, it was the relief of knowing what was wrong with me where I'm like, oh, I'm not just in quote out of quote crazy. There is something wrong. There is a solution. There are tools that I can work on. And it's not like I'm being misdiagnosed like I was before and being put on the wrong medication and feeling even just more, more aggression, more anger, more sadness, like more mania. You finally felt this like sense of relief. Um, With borderline, do you feel that you are someone, because I'm like this, so I'm trying to see if it's a lot like bipolar, where you love shock value, like you feel you, like for me, I do things that are shocking, not just to get attention because it feels good to like just do something different and and, um, be almost unique in that sense. Do you feel that as well? Yeah, I mean, it's part of the, I think like the official symptom is like risky behaviors but I also think it's like the thrill right like part of it is when you go through a lot of trauma in my understanding it's like your body and your mind kind of check out right like that's kind of a survival technique of like well if I'm just like not here it's not happening to me right? right and I think that because of that thrill is like something where it makes you feel alive right and I think that um I mean, who knows? Maybe some psychologists will tell me that's why I'm a, I'm, uh, I love doing work and talking about periods and sex and that kind of thing. <laughs> but I think that it's, it's also just like, you know, for me, I think with hyperactivity and all of that, like 
I also get bored really fast. Like Mm -hmm. I need a lot of stimulation and engagement. Exactly. So for me, like if something is not, not engaging, like I just kind of check out like, and it's like, I'll try so hard to be in it. And so actually like, even while I've, I'm in class now, like virtual zoom class is so hard for me. So like I'll be in zoom, but like I'll have to be crocheting or I'll have clubhouse and I'm listening to two things at once. Like I have to overstimulate my brain in that way to be able to like focus on something that I might not think is like super engaging. And it's really hard because I think that like, you know, and I've, I've heard this feedback even before of like, people think that when I'm talking to them, I'm bored and I'm not respecting Mm. them. But like, really it's like, I'm trying, like, I, I, you know, I hate to say it and I'm not trying to make excuses, but you know what I mean? It's like, if I'm not there, it's like, it's, I'm, I'm, it's like, I can't, it's hard for me to like get back. I am right there with you. I, it's not even a fidgety thing, right? Cause some people are like, oh, you're so fidgety. I'm like, yeah. no, 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 I'm just bored. And it's nothing against you, but I need to be overstimulated to feel almost normal. You know what I mean? When yeah. you were diagnosed, obviously this is so soon, which is so amazing. I'm so happy for you that this is happening. Um, but did you meet other people who live with borderline personality disorder? Because for me, I didn't meet anyone for 10 years. And then when I start hearing stories of other people that go from it, I was like, wait, you feel that way? This happened to you too? You did that? It's mind boggling to me that other people have been through what I've been through. So have you found like some sort of a community because of it? I I have about anxiety, like around anxiety and like, I have like major depressive disorder, like anxiety and depression, a hundred percent. Borderline is interesting because uh, I don't know the stats around it, but like, I feel like I've suddenly connected with more people because um, I actively try to find people who also have BPD. Like Mm -hmm. I'll type BPD into like Instagram and like, so but I'll say that like when I opened up about BPD, I thought that a lot more people would be sharing that, you know, maybe, you know, when you talk about anxiety, everyone's like, oh, me too, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, but with borderline, I think it would, that isn't the case. Right. And I think, right. I mean, I would love to know your thoughts on this, which is like, it's hard because when, even when I came out, people were like, Ooh, wow, that's a lot. Right. Like, but then like how, what ideally do you, how do we even like want people to react? Right. Because it's like, I don't want them to say, I'm sorry. At the same time, I don't want them to be like, Oh, congrats. Right. Or like, Oh, that's so cool. Right. So like, what is it that we're really looking for? Like for me, it's like, I I think I really struggle with that because what's the validation. Yeah. Because no matter what they say, like, I always am like, "Mm, that's not what you should say. But then I actually don't have an answer on like what I actually want to hear. Well, I think that for me, when I first was diagnosed, I hid it for so long and I was in such abusive relationships with men that would use it against me if I did open up being bipolar. And then, you know, they would be cheating on me, but I was the crazy one, right? Because I'm bipolar and it was, it's an easy, you know what it is? It's an easy way to point a finger at someone. It's an easy uh, disease to point a finger at, right? So I think that I had been so traumatized from that. And then when I met my husband, the second sentence out of my mouth was like, I'm bipolar, by the way, so we can either keep this going or not. And he was like, okay, like literally, like that's all I said. He was like, okay, cool. Like, let's do it. Like not even shot, like nothing, like no reaction at all. But, you know, I think that it is a weird thing. I, when I do talk about it and I find other people who live with, with mental illnesses, 
there is a relief because I don't feel like I need to make it a big deal. It's just a normal conversation. When I talk about it on Instagram, I get the same things that you do where it's like, wow, I'm so proud of you. Thank you for coming out. And I'm like, yeah, but it's just a part of my life, you know, but if it can help someone, that's awesome. Yeah. I like that reaction where th where they say, oh my gosh, me too. I've never heard someone speak on this. Or you get the, how are you feeling today? Yeah. Are you okay? And I'm like, I'm not a baby. Like you don't have to, to second guess me, but it is true because it's, what is the right reaction? What are we looking for? What is the validation? And I think it's whatever you want it to be. And I think it will change every single day of your life where some days you will say, you know, I live with BPD and you will want, you know, someone to, to be like, oh my God, I'm here for you. And some days you'll be like, I don't even care yeah. to hear from you. Like, this is just something going on. So I think that you'll find, I mean, it took me 10 plus years, right? But I think you will find the groove of it all of you are going to get a hundred million reactions and you'll, you'll decide what works for you and what doesn't. And just like personality, it goes up and down. That's how mine yeah. is. Like I, I'm constantly living on a roller coaster. So some days someone's answer is not going to be the right answer. It's going to piss me <laughs> off. You know I mean? Like that's the truth. I, I want to really quickly, yeah. um, before I, well, before we get into our final question, I want to ask when you started posting about your periods, and I think the most impactful picture I have seen in so long is the picture of the tampon with the blood. What was the reaction that you got from those things? Like, were people just like mind blown? Were they pissed off? Were guys like, mm. like, what did they, what was the reaction? No. So most of the, whenever I post those, most of the um, people who commented were negatively were women. So what? because I think that it's this. Yeah, because it's the it's the internalized shame of like, OK, I get it, but you don't need to show that like and I think that there is like but then I see my favorite comments I get are always I thought this was disgusting and then I realized that mine looked the same. Right. And so right. this idea that even when we see someone else going through it, we're like, ew, like, what the fuck? And then you yeah. realize like, oh, but I look at that once a month, many times, you know? And so, um, yeah. but of course there's always like the, okay, I get it, but like, like I don't need you to don't see need to that. show yeah. it, right? Right, It's right. actually something I argue about a lot with my, um, my boyfriend because, I mean, he's so supportive of the work, but like he's also sometimes like, you know, periods are natural, poop is natural, and I'm not posting pictures about poop, right? And I'm like, right, okay, right. I get it, but like, we're not talking <laughs> about the same societal stigma around right. like the barriers of like, no one's taxing you to use the bathroom, right? And, no, no. um, but it's something that I find I've really been playing around with. And I think that that's also something that I had never done before. I had never done that before rehab. Like I really have this wow. like pre-rehab, pre-treatment, post-treatment. Yeah. And I think- you know, and, and it's it's scary, too, because like, you know, I've of course, like being on social makes you accessible. And like I, I do appreciate like always being held accountable to like be better. Right. But I, I also like it's really hard. Like I have a lot of anxiety around social media because every negative comments, I think, because as like who I am and like BPD, like I mean, literally part of your symptoms in BPD is that like you don't have self-esteem very well, <laughs> like you don't right. have a sense of identity. And so for me, it hits me really hard. Right. So I post right. those things and I think that. I'm always so nervous, but it is empowering in the way of like three days later, I'm like, I got through that, like all that shaming right. and everything, like I got through it. Right. Um, 
but yeah, I think that it's hard with social media, like in general, because a lot of like when people say like, I, I you know, I, I, I always tell myself like, fuck the haters, like just screw it. Don't. But like when you actually hear it. But then it's still. Yeah. Hurts. When you actually hear it, you're like, oh, wait, they're they're telling me I'm a fraud. And like, I already think that about myself and like, it's validating. So maybe it's true. And then you spiral and then you're like, oh my God, oh my God. What did your family, what was their reaction to you deciding that this is what you wanted to do and you were so passionate about it? Oh, there was never a question. Like I grew up with like a really, really like single feminist, badass, you know, mom um, who's like absolutely (laughs) incredible. Yeah. And like for me, like there was no question about it. If anything, my mom was like, you don't have to work so hard. Like you can go be a dancer, you know, like, but, um, but yeah, like my, my family's always been super supportive. Um, and I think also at the same time, like they keep me really grounded because when it comes to my family, I don't really like, I have never really talked about work with them. Like, I don't think my sisters Mm. like really know everything of what I do. Um, (laughs) I understand that though. Yeah. It's your private thing kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Like even when, um, I remember when my book came out, like one of my sisters was like, Oh, you like actually did this. And I was like, yes. Like, (laughs) yes, this is like the biggest accomplishment for anyone my age. Yes. I really did do this, but Oh my God. It's I, I'm actually thankful for it because I think that especially like, you know, when you have to work and all this, you're working so much at a young age, like I really appreciate the times when I go home and like, I don't talk about work at all. Like, it's just about like checking in and, you know, talking about boys and dating and, um, and, and yeah, I think like even, uh, like being, being, I'm very public on social. Like I recently opened about up about sexuality and it's like something that I, I'm just really thankful to have too. It's like a community. Yeah. I think that that's so important. What do you see the next five years with your company, with yourself, with Harvard? What do you see in the next five years? Well, I'm hoping to graduate in May. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and yeah, so that's a whole thing. And then in terms of what I want to see, like I'm really excited about focusing on August, um, which is the period brand. And, um, I'm excited to like be writing again. And I think honestly, just like continuing to, you know, as you said, like my diagnosis is so new, like I'm learning more mm-hmm. about it every day. Like, um, this is like, I'm not even a year onto meds and like I'm on heavy meds, you know? And yeah. so I think I'm, I'm just there. like, just, yeah, just starting to learn. And, um, I think another one of my goals is to like learn how to sleep without like prescription sleep meds, you know? So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I am right now. Which is, which is so hard. And I, I never took prescription meds because I have an addictive personality. And for me, it was the, yeah. it's, I would always have nightmares as a kid that that was what was going to like do something bad for me. So I never did that, but yeah. I was addicted to Zequil and Advil PM and like would go way too extreme on it. And it took me years cause I'm an insomniac and I can't sleep, but it's about trying Same. to figure it out. You know, it's about figuring out where did the name August come from? Um, actually from one of our, uh, investors, advisors, Bobby hundreds, um, who's like a creative soul, like, um, you know, runs the streetwear brand, the hundreds. Um, oh, and cool. we, Oh my God. Amazing. We could not come up with the name at all. And then 
in 10 minutes, he was like, oh, like August. And we were like, oh, the month. And he was like, no, it means dignity. And so August means majestic dignity plus the play on the month. And, um, and yeah, so it's been, it's been really, really fun. I didn't know it meant dignity. That's amazing. Well, I'm very excited. So the final question that I ask all of my guests is Nadia, what is your emotional support? I would say my emotional support right now is yoga. Like for me, like yoga has been so helpful. I got into it last summer in treatment and um, now I'm like a certified yoga instructor because of course I couldn't just do yoga. I had to like do that. Had, um, had to go the extra mile. Had to exactly. Go the extra mile. Um, but yeah, I've, I've really, really loved it. And um, that's definitely been like such a support um, for me, like especially in the last uh, little while, which has been really good. Oh my gosh. And how can everyone find you? I'm just at Nadia Okamoto on social media and um, August is uh, at It's August on Instagram and It's August Co. Everybody, everywhere else. Oh my gosh. Well, I can't thank you enough for doing this. You are such a gem. I would love for you to come back on anytime. I think it would be fun to do a girls panel and maybe we could do a girls episode yes. and have four of us and just talk and blab forever. Um, well, thank you so much. Emotion, health, support.